I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, recorded live at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, A Change of Plan. The man I'm about to call to the stage has been friends with me since we were kids. He agreed to accompany me to Winnipeg as a part of his ongoing project to eat restaurant souvlaki in every major Canadian city. (laughs) This man's always loved restaurants. In fact, he was the first person with whom I ever dined out alone without family. We were 12 years old and we ate at Atomics Pizzeria, a neighborhood restaurant owned by a crotchety old Greek man named Costa, who served ridiculously large portions of food but was bizarrely hoardy with his condiments. We'd receive a plate of fries the size of a toilet bowl, but right alongside of it, Costa would place one single solitary packet of ketchup. (laughs) When we asked for more, Costa looked at us as if we just asked for more blood from his mother's still beating heart. (laughs) Whereas I learned to ration, eating four to 500 French fries with a bottle cap sized dollop, My eating companion learned how to talk to Costa, how to win him over, how to make him see that giving us more ketchup was just the right thing to do. Along the way, he learned how to say in Greek, thank you, kind sir, bless you for the ketchup, (laughs) as well as the excellent kroniopola tau ketchup sauce. Here's many years to your ketchup. Ladies and gentlemen, here to join me on stage to perform Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, Mr. Howard Chakowitz. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Yeah, of course. Can we cut the music there, please? Can we cut the music? Uh, of course, John. You're better than everybody. What, what are you doing? You're the best. No, this is our showstopper. You, yeah, the plans you, have changed, John. You wanted to do this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How y'all doing tonight? Everyone good tonight? You know, song and dad routines are so wonderful, and I, I don't want to ruin your, your evening of, of entertainment. <laughs> But I can assure you there is nothing, nothing more entertaining than justice. Justice? What, what are you talking about? Justice, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. What jury? Allow me to present my case, if I may. Now, Jonathan Goldstein has wronged me. Oh, Howard. Now, over the course of the next three hours... Oh, God. I would like to present my case to you. Now, I brought some taped evidence, which what I have given you? to the technical crew you earlier brought... today. Oh. That's right. I intend to show you... A tale of partnership done by greed and pettiness and cruelty. Marvin, if you'd be so kind as to cue the first bit of, of evidence there. This all started about a week ago, as it often does, in Jonathan's dark, dank, lonely, lonely studio. I'm never taking you anywhere. Marvin, if you please. Monday. 
Howard phones from the hospital emergency room. I've accidentally eaten three bars of fancy soap, he says. He claims his dogs, Desmond and Bruce, played a prank on him. How do dogs play a prank, I ask? Okay, if you could send me the prototype, that'd be fantastic. How? Yeah, just come to the bank there over time. We're gonna pay him time and a half. The most important thing is that we get this thing on the shelves by allergy season. All right, Philip, hang on, okay? I'm with my investors right now. I'm gonna get you my credit card number. John, John, pass, pass me your credit card. Please, John. I am not me. passing you my credit card. What are you, who are you on the phone with? Hang, hang, hang. Philip, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to call you back. Okay, come on, come on. Come on. How dare you? How all you had to do was go into your pocket and pull out your credit card right. and pass it to me. But no, no, you couldn't. I have to start all over again. What did, what? I have to regain the trust of my associate, Philip. Who, who's Philip? <laughs> who's Philip? He's a businessman, Jonathan. Uh-huh. A capital B businessman. Cutting edge of business. Okay, you've heard the slap chop? He did the slap chop? No, no, but he was inspired by that. It's called the slop chop. Uh-huh. Okay, that's for farmers. It cuts up slop for pigs and, and, and the Seth Rogen armpit hair chia pet. Okay, that's all him. Okay, and he heard my idea and he thought it was ingenious. Oh, what is, what is this idea? Okay, you've heard of a slanket? Yes, I think. That, it's that blanket with sleeves that they advertise on late night infomercials, that's right. right? That's right. Now, what I'm proposing is the Sleenex. The Sleenex. The Sleenex. Okay. What? what? What is that? This is a sweater made of tissue paper and you can wipe your nose right on the sleeves. That is disgusting. No, it's very hygienic. You understand? A sweater made of tissue That's right. paper. You can wipe your nose, you can blow your nose. If you're you know, crying in a sad movie, you dab your eyes. At the end of the day, you remove it, it's disposable. Okay, you put one on in the morning, you wear one the whole day. So you're walking around wearing a used Kleenex? Yes. Hart, that is the stupidest idea I've How ever How is that heard a stupid idea? Everybody needs this uh-huh. because there's a core wire frame. Hey, so what, what'll be next? Are you gonna start marketing toilet paper pants? That's okay. Okay, money, Howard. Uh, you're not getting any more of my money. You're not getting my credit card. You are cut off. Shameful. Shameful. It is shameful. Shameful, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Howard, there's no jury, and all I said was that I was cutting you off. Cut off. Cut off, ladies and gentlemen. How does the Oxford Dictionary define the term cut off? To produce an interruption of power or fuel supply. In other uh, words, you're trying to kill me, basically. No, no, you're... A- you're a grown man. You can fuel yourself. You can no more ask me to fuel myself than you can ask the mighty locomotive to shovel its own coal, Jonathan. How am I supposed to fend for myself now? You, you wasted the best years of my life. You threw but me that, away like yesterday's trash. What are you talking Yeah, well, I looked into my rights, because that is my right. Marvin, dear friend, please, if you can present the next piece of taped evidence. Hello, this is Rick. Hi, uh, is this Rick Weber? The divorce attorney? Uh, yeah, family law specialist. Hi, uh, my my name is Howard Chakwitz. I I got your phone number from Nick Pappas. Oh, Nick the delivery guy. Yeah. Yeah, he mentioned uh, he had a friend named Howard who might be giving me a call. How can can I help you? Yeah, you see, Rick, after 30 years or so, I I find myself on my own. I guess I'm I'm speaking with you because I'm trying to think about how I'm going to maintain my my lifestyle without a paycheck. I mean... Okay. You know, I mean, he's basically recently cut me off. I just... Well, he can't just cut you off. Clearly, I think you'd be entitled to, uh, to alimony and support. Um, mm-hmm. Should I assume that you have dependents, or should we not assume that? Well, yeah, I mean, there's Desmond and, and Bruce, so... 
Okay, and, and how old are they? Uh, Desmond is 12 and Bruce is 5. And then obviously there would be some kind of support for them. You know, we, they've got to maintain their lifestyle. There's yes. going to be school and clothing and, and all of that. So school. You, you've got a lifestyle you're accustomed to. You know, we go into court, we fight for that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you walk out of this thing better off than you were in the relationship. Well, I'd like to bleed him dry from after all he's done to me. And, and I understand that. Now, it's important to try to keep your emotions out of this as best as possible. You know, let me do the fighting for you. And, right, right, you know, right. limit as much contact. So you're still living in the home then, or are you in the process of moving out? No, no, we've never really lived together in, in the same home, so. It's, uh, you know, I, all marriages are, are different. It's certainly unconventional. <laughs> um, no, no we're, not, no, we're not married, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, right, you're in the process of getting a divorce, so, I mean, I, I understand you don't consider him your spouse anymore. No, we're... we're you misunderstand. He's, he's a friend of mine who's just... I'm confused. I, um, you've never been married to him? No. Uh, excuse, why are you calling me? Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be sending you a bill for this. You can send that to Jonathan Goldstein. Why would just, Nick give you my number? Bye. <laughs> okay. Did you hear what he said? So you see, even legally, I'm entitled to your care. I deserve support. Okay? I'm not going to let you bully me. I'm not your husband. You're more like a wife. If that's good. I'm All right. If you refuse to see your obvious legal obligation, ladies and gentlemen, if I can appeal to a higher authority, a moral one, a spiritual one, does a brother not owe a brother a hand? Brother Marvin, please, what you, what if you can just play the next little bit of tape there, please. Hello? Rabbi Kravitz, please. Speaking. This is Howard Chakowitz speaking. Uh, Howard Enoch Chakowitz? Howard Chakowitz, oh yes. You remember me? I haven't seen you in ages since your bar mitzvah. I, I wanted to seek your counsel about a friend of mine. Of course. Doesn't it say in the Torah that we are all brothers? We are all God's children. We are all God's children. Each and every one of us. Hallelujah. And, and, and what would you say is our obligation to our brothers, Rabbi? Well, our obligations are many. We, we have an obligation to offer emotional support, compassion, spiritual support, financial support. Financial, eh? T- tell me a little more about the, the financial part of it there. Uh, are you familiar with the great medieval philosopher Maimonides, I assume? Yes, of course, Maimonides. Maimonides spoke of various levels of charity. Mm-hmm, charity. First and foremost, the greatest level is to support someone by giving them work. Yeah, I'm not too crazy about that one. The next basic level, slightly less noble, is to give charity anonymously. Mm-hmm. Below that is the one who gives to the poor directly, mm-hmm. but before being asked. Okay, now you're talking. And last is the one who gives after his arm is twisted unwillingly, but nevertheless gives. But yeah, but so you, you, you got to twist their arm to get a penny. Yeah, you, well, what, you this know. Is, this is what I'm dealing with here. Giving elevates the person that does the giving. To give is to really get. So the person that takes, in a sense, is helping elevate the person that gives. I never thought of it that way. By allowing someone to give to me, I'm, I'm doing him the real favor. I guess you could say that. So, so say it then. Uh, say what? Howard's right and John's wrong. Who's John? It doesn't matter. Just indulge me, Rabbi. Just say, Howard's right and John's wrong. Howard's right and, and John's wrong? 
And, and now give me like a, and God in heaven has decreed it so. Howard, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> okay, Rabbi. So when are we going to see you in synagogue? This Saturday, we're going to have a beautiful yeah, kiddish. Thank you so much, Rabbi. I would love to meet you and I'll see you soon. Lovely. Okay, did you hear what the rabbi said? Yes, Taiwan's not going to heaven, John. Taiwan's not going to heaven. Only giving people go to heaven. Oh. So you should be thanking me. Oh. You should be paying me to oh, take I your see. charity. Uh-huh. Even the rabbi said so. Right, he did, yeah. Did you hear what the rabbi also said? I believe did so. Did you hear what he said was the highest form of charity? Was actually giving someone a job. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. So give yeah. me a job, Big Shot. I give me a job. I would never employ you, Howard. Why? Because like I always say, friendship and work, yeah, they, they don't, don't mix. Mi- that's they don't right, mix. they don't. All right. They don't mix. Then tell me, why do you employ the man in this next bit of taped evidence? What? Please, Marvin. Oh, God. Hello, Goldstein Worldwide, where gold turns to gold. Gregor? Yeah, who's this? Hey, it's Howard speaking. Howard? Hi. How did you get my phone number? I found your business card in John's wallet. Hey, uh, am, I, am I catching you at a bad time? Yeah, I am actually a little busy. I'm just in the middle of photoshopping Johnny's face onto the body of a weasel. Mm. It's for a social media campaign I'm going to do. Weasel me. Gregor, uh, just a quick question. Are you or are you not on the Jonathan Goldstein payroll? Yeah, of course I'm on the Goldstein payroll. Why else do you think I'd put up with Johnny if I weren't getting paid? Yeah, you know, I mean, imagine how I feel. I mean, I'm hanging out with the guy for free. Yeah, I would never do that. So, I mean, I mean, how would you manage that? How do you get money from the guy? I have a contract with him. Contract. If I didn't have a contract, I'd never see penny number one from Johnny. Mm-hmm. But he knows if he did not honor that contract, I would sue him. I would sue him without mercy. I would sue him until he had no legs left on his feet. I would take that contract like a rope around his neck and... Oh, wait, could you hold on one second? I'm getting another call. Yeah, sure. Yeah? Gregor? Johnny. Hey, How's my number one bubbler? Not great. Uh, you know the foot fungus I was telling you about? Uh-huh. 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 I'm getting this terrible burning sensation in the crotch of my big toe and my ring toe. Ring toe. Toe crotch. Johnny, you never fail to both nauseate and entertain. But right now, Daddy's cooking up some big deals on the other line, so I better let you go. Uh, what's so busy? I'll speak to you soon. Well, I... Take care, Johnny. Number one client. Okay, cool. I will sue him until he is begging for mercy in a voice that is hoarse from begging. And once he gets hoarse, I will give him a drink of water so he can beg some more, and then I will sue him again. I would sue the fungus off his ring toe. Mm-hmm. The point is, with a contract, 25% gets deposited right into my bank account, and there's nothing to talk about. I mean, well, so how can I get a contract? How can I, you know, make this official? Well, you can't just get a contract. I mean, first of all, you'd have to provide some services for him. Yeah, I, I also provide services. I... All right, well, good for you. If you provide services, you should get paid for it. So let's say you did something for Johnny, like in a given month. Let's okay. say you walked his dog, you washed his car, you grouted his bathroom tub, mm-hmm. whatever you did. At the end of that month, you send an invoice for the time that you spent doing it. It's very straightforward. An invoice. Maybe what you need is someone to represent your business interests vis-a-vis Johnny's business interests. Really? You tell me I like that? Yeah, of course. You're going to make so much money, you're not even going to feel the 35% skim I take off the top. That's fabulous. All you need to do is keep track of your hours, itemize your services, and you and me are going to be rich in no time. Do you see? I've been working for you all these years after all. How do you suppose that is? Okay, first of all, I've been life coaching you for like the past 13 years. That's right. That's life coaching. That's right. Who gets you out of your hole into the outside world? That's me. Uh-huh. Now, uh, secondly, I've been arm candy for you at dozens of events like this. Uh, arm candy. All right. Yeah. I've given you hundreds of pep talks, hundreds yeah. of pep talks when you're too drunk to get out of bed. I don't drink. That's the, that's the honest goodness truth, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? I, when you've been sad, I've had to listen to you. Yeah. I've had to hug you on occasion, all of which I find thoroughly repulsive. That, that okay? is, that's what friends do for each that's other. What, who entertains you like me? Eh? Nobody. Who, what do I get for that? That's priceless, Jonathan. But for the sake of personal accounting, 
I have it at $21,879, which I think we can round off to about $20,000 and we could be done with it. You're, you're literally putting a price tag on our friendship. You know, there's one thing I've been doing for you our entire life, and I've oh. never charged you a penny for it. I've been your muse our entire my, life. My yes. muse. Yes, I've let you use me as your muse. Uh-huh. Okay, I've been your Mona Lisa to your Leonardo DiCaprio. I've been your Yoko to your John. I'm your Yoko, John. Okay, and I get nothing for uh -huh. it. You are completely bananas. You've ruined what was supposed to be the greatest afternoon of my I'm life. Crazy. Yes, you are. You're sick. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury... Allow me to draw upon something from the Goldstein family archives. Oh, what? What is, what is Marvin, this? Marvin, my dear man, if you've been so kind... What is this? The year was 1981, and a 12-year-old Jonathan Goldstein had only just begun to keep an audio diary. Monday. Howard 8, my strawberry-scented eraser, in art class today. Unlike life, art allows us the possibility of undoing our mistakes. Unless, of course, we have a friend like Howard. After convincing him to see the school nurse, Howard returned to hey, class. Hey, John! Howard? What you doing? How'd you get into the house? Your mom let me in. She's wearing a really nice-looking pantsuit. Howard, hey, what's this? Would you please put that down? It's the ham radio I'm building. Howard, hey, can I have this Dukes of Hazard figurine? No. Can I have this Rubik's Cube? No. What about this? That's a pillow. I sleep on that. Rubik's Cube fight. Ow, please, stop it. Busting a move in Johnny's room. Getting loud like a sonic boom. Want some food and I want it soon. Smash it all like a... I mean, so you can see from the very beginning, John, I've been an inspiration. From the very, very beginning. Without me, you'd have no stories. You'd have nothing. I deserve royalties, John. I'm the gift that keeps royalties. on giving. Yeah, I deserve royalties. That's right. Uh -huh. Howard, you were throwing things at me and, and really disturbingly like trying to make time with yeah. my mother. John, you weren't cool like I was. It's just the, it's the truth. I mean, you were uh, a nerd, ladies and gentlemen. I, I he was, was a nerd. He'd sit alone at the loser table all true. by himself. That's not true. He'd watch all my adorable shenanigans from afar. And you know, John, if it wasn't for me watching out for you when we were kids, uh -huh. I mean, you wouldn't even be where you are today. I was functioning perfectly well. I didn't need your no, help. Oh, the great Jonathan Goldstein. You never needed any help. I, yeah, I knew you'd never remember. remember but I'm going to help what? you remember. With remember the help of a voice what? from the past. What are you talking about? I'm going to show that you owe me everything, even your very life. Jonathan Goldstein, this is your life. Your miserable, sad, stinking life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if it so pleases the courts, I'd like to present you with this next clip. Marvin, if you please. Hello? Is, is this Mrs. Crockett? Yes. Mrs. Crockett, this is, this is Howie Chackwood speaking. Who? I, I was in your grade six class at Souvenir Elementary. Who is this? Howie Chackowitz. Remember I used to bring you tulips? Uh, remember I once locked myself in the snack pantry? Remember you used to cut the bubble gum out of my hair? Oh. Remember you caught me eating glue? Oh. Remember? Howie Chackowitz. That's it. You, you had to perform the Heimlich maneuver on me a couple of times, remember? So many years, of yeah. course. You had a popsicle stuck in your throat. Uh, you remember? Yes. Howie Chackle <laughs> yeah. is a fat kid. 
Yeah. Oh, we smell like sneakers. Isn't that right? Sneakers and tuna. Some, well... You remember when you ate the, the class goldfish? Yeah, well, you know, by accident. You were so cute, little Howie Chackle. That's me, that's me. You were a sweet kid. Oh. Always volunteering to wipe the chalkboard. Very generous. Ge- sweaty, as very... I remember. Sweaty and fat. But, you know, speaking about how generous I was, do you remember Jonathan Goldstein? No. Remember, he, he was the kid who was always peeing his pants in class, and he had sweaty palms. And oh. Remember him? Always excused from gym because of health issues, and yes. uh, he was applying some form of ointment. He was a nebbishy little boy, wasn't he? Big glasses. Yes. Anyway, anyway, do you remember how one day I came rushing to the classroom to have you stop a fight between Jonathan and, and Freddie Shelley? You remember Freddie Shelley? Freddie Shelley. I remember. He failed six times. We couldn't get him out of that school. I think he married one of the lunch ladies. And, and he was going to beat Jonathan up behind the gym one day. Yes. Uh, you remember when I ran to your classroom? I came to get you to intervene. That's right. I remember that. You came and grabbed me, and we went together, and we stopped the fight. Yes. He was famous for the Freddie Shelley throat punch. He'd punch kids in the throat, and that's why I, I saved Jonathan's life and his radio career. I made sure that punch w- that was destined for his vocal pipes never landed. Well, it's all very interesting. You see? You see, John, I was always defending you. I always had your back, Jonathan. Who are you talking to, Howard? It doesn't matter. See, the point is, I was always trying to help that boy. I, well, I remember that, that Freddie Shelley hated your guts. My, my... Hated you. In fact, if my memory serves correct, I, I think that little nebbishy friend of yours got into trouble with Freddie Shelley because he was defending you. Well, uh, okay, Marvin, that's okay. You we'll just were cut the, the tape weak there. One, and just he cut was it there. Stepping Perfect. up to the plate. Wait, wait a second. Wait, uh, wait, wait a second. What, what was she just about to say? Well, she was saying that clearly I defended you and no. uh, I performed a childhood deed of the highest order and. Uh, if it wasn't for me, you'd be speaking through a voice box. Monday, my hemorrhoids are flaring. Okay. Tuesday, no, no. my right. lips are still checked. Uh, thank you. Okay, can you please, Marvin, can you No, play? Marvin, no, there's nothing. I, I'd Marvin, like to hear the rest deposition. of the tape. Don't Marvin. play, Marvin. I forbid you from playing that tape. He was trying to defend your honor. Marvin. Now, the thing I most remember about you two, you were both a couple of complete and utter social pariahs. I was, I was a latchkey kid. I remember the kids teasing you both a lot. You know, it was nice now that I think of it, that you two had each other. You two were so cute together and I sitting there so. and arguing with each other about God knows what. <laughs> you know, you two had something special. You could see that even as kids. Well, are, you, are you two still friends, dear? Well, yeah, well, I suppose we are, I guess. And what does he do now, the nebbish one? Drinks mostly. Also works on this radio show. And well, listen, you give him my regards, and um, I have to pee. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for talking to me, Mrs. Mrs. Crockett. I appreciate oh, it. I'm happy to help out. Bye. Bye, Howard. <clears throat> uh, Mrs. Crockett says hi, by the way. She sends uh-huh. her warm regards. Hi. Right, thank you. Did you hear what else she said? I mean, we, we were a team, you know? I mean, we have, we have long history together, Howard. I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be fighting like no, this. Not. not here on, on stage. <laughs> Just when once you know I have value, that's all. I, I do know that. The language of it, cut off, you're cut off. So emasculating, I just, you know. 
just want you to know that I, I'm worth something. That's I, all. I, I know that, and you know, you can't put a price tag on, on friendship like that, is what I'm saying. Well, I had $21,879. Okay, Howard. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. I, just, I value our friendship too, Jonathan, uh -huh. kind of. Okay, all right. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to give you the money, okay, but I, I, I will put you to work. You know, shoveling snow and washing windows and, All right, you know, we'll, uh, we'll and, figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too, I guess it's over, but you know, it's too bad we had to stop here because yeah. I had some really, really juicy tape of oh. Stuart McLean trash talking the pants off you. Oh, really? Man, a nice folksy, okay. nice folksy man that people like Stuart McLean All just, right. these have just riled them up. Okay, all right, Howard. Horrible things, I just... We've, we've all had quite enough, I think. I'm just gonna have to, I guess, find new investors for the Selenex, that's all. And there might be some people here in the audience tonight who might be interested in a very... All right, that's enough. Don't, don't. Okay, Howard, honestly, if I even saw you, you know, put uh, an honest day's work into one of your cockamamie crazy schemes, I might be inclined to, you know, support You're that effort. You, 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 yes, I am. Oh, yeah? All I right. mean, yeah, I would. All right. If, no, look at this. Look what do you have here? There we go. What's, what is this in your briefcase? This is a Sleenex prototype. This is a patent number 46375. This is a his and hers. It's, a, it's like toilet paper sewn to uh, a hospital. Why don't we put this on here for the food? Hey, folks, should we put this on? Just to let's see what Jonathan looks like. Put that on there. You get the, you get the hers. It's really one good. size fits all. I hope it's not used. I think you look very elegant, mademoiselle. Would that be cash or charge X, Jonathan? Howard Chakowitz, ladies and gentlemen. Imaginary Cities. Today, you heard Howard Chakowitz, Richard Weber, Nissen Chakowitz, Gregor Ehrlich, Ian Crane, Cyrus Jordan, and Andrea Martin, whose tour dates can be checked out at IamAndreaMartin.com. Today's wiretap was recorded at the Tom Hendry Warehouse Theater in Winnipeg with a live performance by Imaginary Cities, whose debut album, Temporary Resident, is now available on iTunes or at hiddenpony.ca. Special thanks to recording engineer Joe Dudich, assistant engineer Greg Boboski, and to Frank Apolko. Wiretap is produced by Mira Bertlin-Tonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.